Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast still going and still dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. And I'm sorry, Mark, I've just kind of ran out of introductions given there's no football. No, I know, I know. I said to Lainey at the weekend, um, something about the weekend. She goes, what is the weekend these days? And she's right. <laughs> I, I think this is Wednesday, but it's like that for everyone. We just have to do the best and, and make do and stay in and get to know your loved ones again. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah. Or... What? <laughs> As someone said, that the, the birth rate in nine months' time will be through the roof, to which the first reply was, yes, yeah, so will the divorce rate. <laughs> and then those those children in a few years to come will be known as the quarantines. Apparently. Very good. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't come up with that. I can't claim it. So we are back and we will be talking about some more maroon memories since we're not making any memories at the moment uh, from a heart's perspective. Uh, so we'll be looking back at a certain player this afternoon, uh, and we'll get into that very shortly. How are, how, how are you coping, Mark? How, how, how are you getting on with things? I know that you're starting to... <laughs> but before we get into before we get into the maroon memory, just just a quick check-in, because you, you've, you've actually had some things to do of late, which, is, which has been a nice change, hasn't it? Yeah, yesterday felt probably the most normal day since I last worked at the... I don't know, what was it? The, the, the first week in, in March... Because we're going to be doing um, season two of Caps Off. It was meant to start on the 23rd, the baseball show that um, ESPN uh, produces for BT Sport in the UK. Um, but we're going to start season two hopefully next week. Um, we've been putting together our plans. We were at spring training in Florida and my colleague Phil Murphy was in Arizona. So we've got, we've got a lot of footage from there. Unfortunately, about 75% of it is obsolete because it was to do with the Cubs and the Cardinals playing in London, and today they have officially cancelled that. So, yeah, work is getting kind of back to normal. We're banned from going in. We need a letter. So everything's yeah. going to be done from home, um, as you know, and I'm sure most of our, our listeners know as well, that if you are working right now, you are doing it um, from home. And when I'm not doing anything for work, right now, there's a wee exclusive, right now I have a rum cake that I baked this morning in the oven, and it's currently rising. I'm not kidding you. I have baked a rum cake, Gosling's Dark and Stormy Rum, or Gosling's Rum, which you make dark and stormies with. First time I ever clapped eyes on this uh, was 2006 when I was commentating on the World Cricket Classic in Bermuda when 35 drunken former cricketers got pished and played a little bit of cricket to justify their being there, and I was there to cover it. And we were pished as well and drunk, <laughs> dark and stormies. And ever since then, my, not rum of choice, because I like some of the high-end stuff at times, but for a little mix with rum and uh, ginger beer would be gosling. So that's what I've been doing while doing the garden and cleaning the hot tub. You did ask. I did, and I got a long answer. And I believe you were speaking to uh, a former Hearts captain <laughs> as well recently. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Craig Gordon did a piece which will be on ESPN FC on the social media um, this weekend. Just a, a, We're doing a, a thing with former footballers of their kind of greatest game from an international perspective. And he chose France against Scotland in uh, 2007. I was watching, I was actually watching that earlier because there's nothing else to Were do you? other than watch. I think um, 
Paul Mitchell maybe shared it because he was commentator uh, yeah, for the BBC I mean, coverage of it. Yeah, I'd forgotten he was commentating with Ian McCall. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what Ian McCall did from an international perspective to merit being a co-com for for a, a France-Scotland game, but I don't, I don't mind Ian McCall. I think he's all right. Know, really, one of the things I noticed in the coverage was Ian McCall kept saying when something happened, oh, there wasn't much in that. Replay comes in, guy goes right through someone. Oh, actually, no. It, that was that was a you know what? Card. It's the same as Stevie Nichol doing commentaries with him, and that he says exactly the same. But then the replay comes, but he refuses to change his mind. <laughs> I, I still, I still think that the first time I saw it, that was the right. Decision. I was like, no, no. But it was, I mean, it's amazing. That was thirteen years ago, and the the game against France at Hamden was thirteen and a half. Well, and. and it was twelve and a half years ago the the game in Paris and thirteen and a half years ago. So yeah, I was watching the I was watching the Hamden game. Sorry, that's what I was. Yeah. Oh, you were watching the Hamden game. So that was that was Walter Smith, and then the Paris game was yeah. was Alex McLeish. But the one thing did that Ian Craig McCall said, did the Paris one as well. Yeah, that's the one I was talking about. Oh, so he did both. No, because I, I sorry, I was watching the Hamden. I, I thought. Oh, you okay. Were, oh, I thought oh, he might sorry, have picked sorry. the Hamden game. The, the No, no, he picked the um, oh, okay. he picked the France game because he got the assist. So he said oh, of that course, the assist yeah. in fantasy <laughs> football. Plus the clean sheet, plus the probable bonus points for a goalkeeper getting a clean sheet, plus the saves. He reckoned he would have been one of the top scoring players of the week in fantasy ah. um, Premier League. But the well, one thing he said, sorry, Laurie, the one thing he said about both games was he, he was amazed at how little he had to do because yeah, the, yeah. there was a lot of a lot of the ball in the box, but the defence were just unbelievable. They cleared everything, they blocked everything, and. He made some really good saves, but he thought he was going to be a lot busier given the possession yeah. that the French had in both games. When I, yeah, when I, from the Hamden game, he made a lot of saves, but to be honest, most of them it was routine kind of handling. It was catches or smothering the ball. There was maybe one good save from Maluda, I think, in the first game, but it was generally just yep, good handling, I think, as opposed to like outstanding stops. But um, no, obviously a great couple of games, and that was a Hearts player assisting the goal at Hamden at yes. the goal. In Paris, then with Paul Hartley's corner leading of to course. the leading to the Gary Caldwell goal in the first game. But, oh, there, there we go. There's a tangent for you. So, Craig Gordon speaking to Mark Donaldson. We're not going to be talking about that Hearts captain today. We will be talking about another Hearts captain in this week's Maroon Memory. So, one of the reasons this particular player came up was because we'd actually spoken about him last week and it was then fitting that um, Amoruso Let's It Run, uh, the Twitter account which shares some really good content, previous goals and clips, uh, posted on um, when was it? It was uh, Tuesday um, because it was 31st of March, so just yesterday that, uh, see, time just disappears when you're in lockdown, doesn't it? You just can't tell where the days go. Um, 24 years ago on Tuesday, so 24 years ago, 31st of March, 1996, Hearts signed Colin Cameron. Uh, so just to, yeah, Amoruso Let's It Run posted a video of a number of his goals, so you can visit that on Twitter, at Amoruso1998, but that is when the midfielder joined the club. Um, interestingly, now, I don't know if you've heard this one before, you might have, Mark. This is an internet from the internet rumor mill so i'm not gonna I, I can't confirm if this is accurate or not but some people believe that colin cameron was signed by mistake um this <laughs> the internet story and i'm gonna keep saying the internet rumor mill because i've seen it on twitter before and i've seen it on kickback so 
you can't always take these things on face value. However, the rumour suggests that um, Hearts were interested in Colin Cameron and Stevie Crawford, but could only afford one. And Jim Jeffries wanted to go with Crawford, but got the names mixed up when he was giving whoever <laughs> whoever the go ahead to sign him and said, "Go for sign the forward Cameron." I didn't know until they'd done the deal. Um, now this could be complete Come bollocks. On. I, it could be I could be complete bollocks. I don't know. It was just I thought I would put it out there um, as a part. I've heard some. I've heard some mixed up identities. The best one was Pusref Musimic. Yeah. And apparently yeah. We, we signed his brother. That, it's the kind of thing when you when you're in and around the club uh, or where um, or you deal with them or you're on Jambo's kickback. I'm sure I would have heard that before. And I, I hadn't heard it before until I, what I was trying to do is I was just trying to, you know, you've been doing the same thing. I was looking if there was any little snippets I couldn't remember about Colin Cameron. Um, and it was it, that one, I first saw it post on kickback. So it could be complete, it could be complete nonsense. It was just interesting. I mean, you could see the theory that possibly Hearts were going in for Crawford and for Cameron and they had to pick one and the stories come from there even though it maybe wasn't true that the names were mixed up but I, I, look, if anyone listening knows anything more about it or has heard more about it you know give us a tweet at around the funnel or email podcast at scarves around the funnel dot co dot uk i just read it and thought i can't not put it out there just, just oh, in case it's a good story heard. um but anyway so he, he was signed regardless of whether it was an accident or not for a fee of four hundred thousand pounds plus john miller good player john miller was he? It was before my time. So really um, good player. Yeah, yeah. just a, an industrial player. And that, you use that word, and you kind of think, well, it's a bit disrespectful. But uh, disrespectful. But no, he, he had a good engine on him. He scored some good goals. He wasn't always a, a fan's favourite, but I certainly appreciated him, and I know a lot of Hearts fans did. Um, I think we got we got good time. I mean, it was at Chelsea as a youngster, John Miller, and and we had some we had some good moments with John Miller, but. With him going there and Colin Cameron coming, um, yeah, there was there was a little bit of excitement. I'm not saying there was full scale. Wow, we're saying Colin Cameron because he'd, he'd done well with, with Wraith. Um, and if you remember, he was part of the 94 League Cup, Coca-Cola Cup winning side. So people knew who he was. And I thought at the time he was a player that, yeah, I was looking forward to seeing because I think he was a player with an eye for goal, who'd put in a, a work shift um, that, that could certainly do a job for the football club. Yep, Cameron was a fifer, born in Kirkcaldy, 1972, brought up close to Starks Park and attended nearby Balweary High School, a stone's throw from the stadium. Uh, it would later be attended by a certain Lewis Ferguson. As, uh, Lewis Ferguson? Lewis Stevenson. Did I say Lewis Ferguson? You did. See, now you're going to edit this out. When yeah. I fuck up, you keep it in. That's disgraceful. <laughs> Attended by a certain Lewis Stevenson, is what I meant to say. And I will keep it in now. Yeah! Uh, and I'll keep Mark's outrage at me editing my errors out. <laughs> um, here, okay, if you want, if you want to spend a couple hours editing, then you can have the right to... No, 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 at all. I'm just making life <laughs> easier for you. To save right. you the hassle. You're a busy boy. I, I know I, I, I know I don't know Kirkcaldy very well, but I know Glenn Roth is pretty well because I went to college there. I don't know if you know that. I did not, no. Um and uh, there's so many ways I could go with this, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go off on tangent, apart from the fact that um 
the US government, when I was applying for citizenship, asked for a letter uh, from my former colleague, uh, college and, and wouldn't take it. I uh, wouldn't take the 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 because it was to prove education and everything. It's just for the green card, sorry, not the citizenship. But they wouldn't take it because it wasn't a Glenrothes College where I I went because it's now Fife College, I believe, in in Glenrothes or or what's it called these days? Whatever it's called these days, <laughs> it, it, it isn't Glenrothes College. But yeah, I used to go there and I used to work for Sky at night at Dunfermline at Petrivi on the call centre, and we used to have access to all the famous players' phone numbers and everything, because we had the full list of Sky, Sky subscribers, so we could see which of the footballers had subscribed to the adult channel. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I I worked for Telewis Broadband, as I've said before, and I probably could have found out as well, but um, I'm not sure if you were meant to access accounts without... It, it was probably slightly more high-tech when I was working there than when you were at Sky. So That would have been 1995-96, so... It would have been the season before Colin Cameron. In fact, the season of, because yeah, Cameron signed, signed in the March, didn't he? Yep. 96. Yeah. So uh, I would have been at, uh, at Sky and Dunfermline accessing um, numbers. His, accessing his, his um, pay-per-view records. Um, <laughs> he, he came through the ranks at Wraith Rovers <laughs> and um, over a six-year period made over 150 league appearances. As Mark mentions, he was part of the successful... Coca-Cola Cup winning side of 1994 when Wraith won on penalty kicks against Celtic and Cameron unsurprisingly slotted his penalty home in the shootout. Uh, he would also play in UEFA Cup for Wraith the following season, playing both legs against Bayern Munich in the second round. So, yeah, a successful career today, as you highlighted, uh, when he made the short move over the fourth to the capital with plenty of years still ahead of him as he was only 23 at the time. Uh, Cameron made his heart's debut under the lights at Tynecastle on Wednesday, the 10th of April, 1996. He started the match as Jeffrey's side defeated Rangers 2-0, thanks to goals from Neil Poynton and Alan Johnston. It was a vital three points at the time, with hearts involved in a battle for third place with Aberdeen. Cameron was lively, even in his first match, and it was his dummy that allowed the ball to find its way to Poynton for the opening goal. Three days later, the midfielder grabbed his first Hearts goal on his return to Starks Park. And uh, Mickey, as he was fondly nicknamed, opened the scoring for the Jambos in a 3-1 win against his old side. Ironically, he would leave Starks Park that day holding the Wraith Rovers Player of the Year award, despite having just inflicted a defeat <laughs> on Wraith Rovers. Um, don't know if that can happen very often. I, I'm trying to think of, I mean, when, I, when I read that, I was trying to think of times where players have, have gone back to old sides but still been still been very recent or very much mm. still in their um still in their good books I, I was thinking of the in more recent times Scatchel when he came back with obviously it was a bit later but he came back with Dundee United at Tynecastle and um obviously all the Hearts fans when they got to the 51st minute started cheering and chanting and singing his name and only 5-1 rang out and Scatchel's arm up thanking all the Hearts fans and <laughs> I was just trying to think of, from a Dundee United perspective, you're playing against a side and they lost the game in the end and one of your players is receiving the adulation of the entire home end. It's just, I always thought, I knew a few Dundee United, Dundee United fans that weren't that keen on Scatchel and thought he... I'm the same. Yeah, I'm the same. They're like, 
he's only here so he can be an hour down the road from yeah. from Hearts. He, he took the number 51. They didn't give a toss about that. Peter Houston just didn't know. He didn't realise when he let him take that number. Of course not. Of course not. Scatchel. Yeah, I remember being at Easter Road. Hibs played. Did he play for Wraith? It was. It was Wraith. Yeah, that, that's the one. And, and he, as he went off, as he was subbed, he, he kind of gave it a get it right up you. Yeah. And a five-one to the main stand, which they weren't they weren't too happy about. Um, <laughs> by the by the way, with, with Cameron Hart's first game uh, after he signed, I assume he'd been cup tied because obviously we we played Aberdeen um, and won two-one at Hamden, so he couldn't feature. I, I assume because yeah. uh, he'd already played for Wraith in the competition that season. Yeah, I didn't I didn't actually double check that, but I assume that was the reason because yeah, he didn't make sense. The, didn't yeah. play in the, didn't play in the cup games. Interesting, the nickname obviously Mickey. I mean, we know why the nickname started. Um, unfortunately, the the old, the old ears. Um, but do you know when it did? <laughs> no, because no. I, I tried to look that up, and apparently it started at Hearts, is what I did read. And I wondered if it was someone in particular that started it because when I when I first started going to games and he'd already, he was already a Hearts player and he was known as... And I didn't know for a couple of years when I was youngster going why he was called Mickey Cameron. It was it wasn't... It was probably a good two years after we watching Hearts I found out why he was called Mickey Cameron. I, I, I had no idea. I'll just, be honest. I, this is the first time it's ever been mentioned. I never even thought why. It just... Yeah, wow. Okay. What was Mickey the years? Was Mouse. that Mickey Mouse? Yeah. Mickey? I assume so. If you're... Christ, I, I, I hope so. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, hold on, we've got a call from um, Mr. Cameron's lawyers right now. I need, I need to take. No, that's why it was. That's where it came. It's got to be. It's gotta I, be. I, that's what I always remembered it as. I just, I just didn't know for years. I just Mickey Cameron. I didn't really ask why, but why was someone called Colin Cameron be Mickey Cameron? Um, <laughs> But I, I thought dig, 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 dig. I thought you might have known where it where it came from for someone in particular, but we'll just we'll just move on from that. <laughs> Cameron followed up the strike against Wraith with another goal before the season was up, making it two in four games with his new club going into the summer. Uh, despite his instant impact, Hearts missed out on third place on the final day of the season, missing out on the UEFA Cup, although they would qualify for the Cup Winners' Cup as runners-up to Rangers in the Scottish Cup. Uh, in his first full season at Tynecastle, Cameron became an integral part of Jim Jeffrey's side, playing more minutes than any other player, and in fact, he started in every single competitive match that campaign. Uh, during the season, there were a few highlights including a double in the Easter Road Derby in September. Quantum. To bring in the ball, Cooper Robertson. Cameron! Oh, wonderful goal! Colin Cameron with 19 minutes gone, a superb strike. Jim Layton hitting an athlete. Again, it breaks down. A little misunderstanding there. Involving uh, Wilkins, Willie Miller and uh, Harpert. That's uh, Miller who gets back and Leighton's giving it away! Oh my goodness, Jim Leighton, what a blunder! And Colin Cameron eagerly accepts the gift with 29 minutes gone. Cameron's second goal of the game, misery for Jim Leighton. The first of those goals was a, a lovely hit from 25 yards. Uh, the second, an opportunist strike as he robbed Jim Layton of the ball and knocked it into an empty net. 
Uh, he would score a total of four Derby goals in Maroon, all of them coming at Easter Road, including another that same season. Uh, that was the New Year Derby, 97. Um, Hearts recording their biggest win at their home of the rivals in 36 years. Uh, John Robertson got his 25th Derby goal. Hamilton grabbed a double and Cameron scored to make it 3-0, capitalising on another Leighton blunder. It's a really good finish, that one, actually. The keeper is closed down by Hamilton. The ball falls to Cameron, but he's a good 35 yards out, and he just coolly opens up that right boot, floats it into the empty net. And you, know, you talk about even those goals that season at Easter Road. You've got one lovely strike from 25 yards, one where he just nips in. He's the furthest player forward, robs the keeper and scores, and then another from range. He was a good finisher. He was a good finisher, but different types of goals as well. Yeah, he. I'm not. I'm trying to think if he was a kind of a Paul Hartley esque um, style. If he was Paul Hartley for Hearts before Paul Hartley came to Hearts. At times, yeah. I mean, he was box to box, and he was energetic, yeah. and he he could. I think he was similar to Hartley, and he made those runs ahead of strikers at times, in behind. Um, and some of the goals he scored when I was looking at replays are like that. He makes that run behind the defence um, and the defence don't expect it because he's obviously coming from midfield. I would say maybe for me, just thinking that one of the things that separated him was his ability to, to run and carry the ball forward at his mm-hmm. feet and take players on. It wasn't really part of Hartley's game as such. I think he, he made good runs into the box and he was a good passer of the ball and a good finisher, but I don't think he had that same ability as Cameron to actually run at players and take them on with skill and carry the ball forward. Imagine the Hearts midfield. I'm trying to think the formation that you would need to play if you had Cameron in his prime and Hartley in his prime and, and both started in a Hearts lineup. Because if you were to go 4-4-2, you'd probably be too adventurous. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you'd have enough protection for the back four. Um, if you were to go 4-2-3-1, you'd probably need... I mean, Hartley could play further out. Remember when um, when when he was at Hibs, Hartley was on the right-hand side. Now was he's better. When he was at St. Johnson, yeah. Billy Stark had moved him centrally. Uh, centrally. And um, I'm just trying, I would have loved to have seen the two of them together in their peak for, for, for Hearts. I mean, that would have been phenomenal. You, I suppose you could kind of do a 4-2-2-2. You go and I stay Maybe. Yeah. I was going to say, you could maybe they could do like a one stays and one goes and they swap around, you know. <laughs> I'm making... but Cam- yeah, maybe Cameron was a really, really good passer of the ball. Yeah. He was, it, I think technically um, I'd maybe give Cameron um, the nod over the two, but I, I loved the pair of Colin Cameron was just a brilliant signing for Hearts and he was such an integral part of the Wraith Rovers team and, and he, he was like the engine for them. He was the middle to front, yeah. um, the dynamic dynamism, um, dynamic dynamism. What does that even mean? <laughs> Who cares? But he got goals as well. And and just when looking back, because that's all we can do um, right now when it comes to, to Hearts, that period of time. Unfortunately, there was two or three years of an overlap. Uh, sorry, w- without the overlap. Um, Hartley arrived in 2003, I think, and Mickey had already gone to, to Wolves in 2001. But just two really good... I loved watching Colin Cameron. And it was funny you mentioned... Um, you mentioned the first team that Cameron played in when he was at Hearts his, on his debut. Um, that lineup against Rangers that, that beat them by two goals to nil. What a really, really good side that was. Rousset in goal. McManus, Richie, McPherson and Bruno. Mackay and Cameron. Alan Johnston and Stevie Fulton. Neil Poynton and John Robertson. 
Kevin Thomas and John Colquhoun uh, and Neil Berry on the bench. That was the kind of crossover period because Neil Berry was 33, John Colquhoun 32, Neil Poynton 31, Robbo 31, Pasquale Bruno 33, McPherson 32, and Gary Mackay 32, and Rusey 32. So it was either the, the older ones or the younger ones, with the exception of Stevie Fulton. And it just had a good, a good mix, mm-hmm. um, that team. And, and, and Colin Cameron was a, a wonderful addition to it. 96-97, he also scored twice against Celtic that campaign, both in 2-2 draws. He would actually manage more goals against Celtic than any other side during his time with Hearts, nine in total. He finished 96-97 with a total of 11 goals from midfield, an impressive total, and he would actually manage double figures in four of his five full seasons with the Jambos. Uh, that season, Hearts again finished fourth, but they were building for bigger and better things at Tynecastle as Jim Jeffries added greater quality to his side the following campaign, complementing the likes of Cameron. So his driving runs, his energy in the midfield were a huge part of that 97-98 side. He chipped in with 10 goals as well. And uh, the final goal that season was, of course, the most crucial and possibly the most iconic penalty in Hearts history. Literally seconds into the cup final against Rangers, the biggest game of the season, a spot kick awarded, and Cameron has to step up for the ultimate pressure kick. And that steps Colin Cameron, who hasn't played too much football in the last month or so. Nine goals already this season, and he's scored three times from the penalty spot. Can he calm his nerves? He can't. Colin Cameron fires hearts in front. 90 seconds on the clock. Hearts fans celebrate. It's a dream opening for them. Under 90 seconds on the clock, as Rob McLean says, when Mickey hits this one, huge moment uh, and really so well taken. Uh, most composed man in Celtic Park, I think, didn't go safely either. Right into the roof of the net. Fine finish. So here's what, here's what Mickey said about that penalty. The fans were maybe nervous, but I wasn't. I was just pumped up and ready for the game. My only thought was, this is the perfect start. I was fresh, I was confident. It might have been a different story if it had been the last minute. And it it was a really, really good penalty. And Willie Young was quick to award it. I think one of the replays shows (laughs) maybe a little bit outside the box where the contact took place. Um I'd like to hear from Hearts fans who went to that game but didn't see the goal. Because I know one or two I didn't who were see there. It, but I, was, I wasn't there, but I also didn't see it. <laughs> I, hadn't got, I hadn't got in. I missed, the, I missed the start and I missed the goal. We were 1-0 up. Really? Yeah. I, I was, um, was it, we didn't have, I didn't, I'd only been to a couple of games that season, so we didn't have season tickets or anything, and we couldn't get tickets for the cup final. And... Um, so we were watching it at home, and my mate was going to come in and watch it with us. I, for some reason, I was went around to his to 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 get him. I just remember being at the door, and he said, "So something's happened." I was like, "Oh, quick, can we rush into mine?" And my dad said, "You missed a missed a bloody goal. We're one in one nil." So yeah, I missed that goal. Not only did I not get to the game, but I managed to miss the goal, and I was bloody watching it on TV. <laughs> that takes some doing. I know, I but know. it was it was so early because. A lot was was kind of made of Hearts. I mean, they were in the cup final in '86. That was my Scot- first Scottish Cup final that I went to as a fan. Prior to that, it was 1976, 
that they had been in the cup final. And a lot was made of the goal that was scored, I think, by Derek Johnson before three o'clock because the game kicked off early, a minute early, and Derek Johnson has scored. Off the top of my head, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm trying to think of if there was a Rangers goal against Aberdeen in the cup final. But if that was the earliest goal in the cup final, certainly one of them since Derek Johnson's goal in, in 1976. And, and we were off to the perfect start. And of course... Hearts, Hearts lifted the cup with Cameron playing a big part in that. Um, interestingly, we'll quickly divert to Scotland briefly. Um, I always find it strange, even looking back, it's just the fact that even after that fantastic season, Cameron still had been capped for Scotland, and he wouldn't actually be capped until April 1999, almost a year after that cup final. Uh, he made his international debut against Germany in a friendly um, scored his first international goal later that year against Lithuania at Hamden Park in a Euro qualifier. Fine volley in that game. Um, two Hearts players on the score sheet that day in a 3-0 win. Do you remember the other? No. Gary McSwigan. A, a, wow. A future Hearts player missed a penalty that day as well, actually. What is this? Quiz <laughs> time with Laurie? Mark Birchall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gary McSwegan and Colin Cameron both scored in that 3-0 win. But he only ever won 28 Scotland caps, scored two goals, and only 11 caps won while he was at Hearts. Just a, a five-year international career. And it, it just seems crazy when you think back, because, I mean, obviously, I'll be slightly biased because I'm a Hearts fan, but one of the best midfielders I think I've seen in the Scottish top flight in my time watching it. I just... and added so much um you know something a lot of players didn't have so much energy um goals from midfield it just seems so surprising that he only ever managed that total for scotland yeah so i think there's an analogy here with with certain players that you think should have won more caps for their country but the position that they played in it was a strong position internationally now remember Mm -hmm. scotland had qualified for the euros in in 92 um Obviously, the World Cup in 90, the Euros in 92, didn't qualify for the World Cup in 94, but qualified for the Euros in 96. Now, all of those were... Colin Cameron was at Wraith Roper, so he wasn't, he wasn't going to get picked up um, and, and play there because the, the players that we had at the time were at big clubs. They were tried and tested, and midfield was, was pretty strong for Scotland. So the fact he was, what, 26, um, nearly 27, when he got his, his first cap... Um, for Scotland, the the analogy is kind of similar to when um, you, you look back at the, the 80s and, and you see guys like Alan Hansen. Now, off the top of your head, I know it's before your time, but off the top of your head, do you know how many caps Alan Hansen got for Scotland? Top of my head, no. I would just be throwing a wild guess out there. Alan Hansen for Scotland got fewer caps than Colin Cameron. Oh. Exactly. Exactly. People kind of think, really? Yeah, because Fergie was in charge. Miller and McLeish were his his two favourites. And, uh, yeah, I and, guess it's a bit like that with Craig Brown. Craig Brown really didn't like changing much, and I thought a lot... That, and and yeah. that's the thing, yeah. I, I totally agree with that. And that's why Colin Cameron, maybe he did take until he was 27, but the fact that in a five, six-year spell that he won 28 caps and scored a couple of goals for his country, I think that's excellent, because Stevie Nicholl, who I work with, only got 27 caps. Hansen got 26 caps. So he got more than those okay. two. Yeah, no, So to make your debut at the age of 26, 27, and to still get 28 caps is pretty impressive. Um, unfortunately, he did play in the 5-0 thumping 
uh, in Paris in Bertie Vogt's first game in charge, to which he said, the best player I've ever played against is Zinedine Zidane in that game. However, the closest I got to him was standing in the tunnel before the game. Christ's sake. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I remember that game well, unfortunately, after being made to watch it on repeat when uh, the Montrose youth team I was playing for were travelling to France for a post-season trip and apparently the boss thought it'd be useful for us to see how not to defend before <laughs> before we played the French ourselves. Um, yeah, true story. Just just kept made, making us watch it on a very long coach trip. It did help, I guess. We didn't lose. Um, anyway, back to Hearts. Um, season after Hearts won the Cup. Now, we already covered this last time, so I don't want to go into too much detail for a lot of people will have listened to our last show, which was, of course, the very poor season Hearts had in 98-99, where they were um, battling relegation. They didn't have Cameron, um, and basically went from title challenges and cup winners to, yeah, fighting the drop at the bottom, until a late resurgence that campaign, which surprisingly coincided with Colin Cameron's return to the team. Um, no real surprise, I suppose, he would be made captain the following year, but I guess it really just shows the importance of him. We know we spoke about it last time the Hearts didn't add much depth to the team, but largely it was the same side that had ended the previous campaign so well. Um, and without Cameron, they were facing relegation until he kind of came back and helped drag them off the the bottom and finished sixth in the end. I guess that's just how important he was to the Jambos at the time. Yeah, I'm glad they got it fixed. And we mentioned last week about the similarities between a kind of pelvic issue and Peter Haring and what he's got right now and trying to find a way. And in, in the end, it was it was to do with a gum shield that, that he ended up wearing. But you, as you say, you see the importance of him. And when Hearts were kind of faced with, when a bid came in for Wolves and Hearts were faced with a decision, um, you spoke last week about what 1.75 million would be in kind of today's terms, and we were talking about Neil McCann, because there wasn't much of a difference between yes, what we two million, yeah, so similar, yeah, thing. what we sold Neil McCann for and, and what we sold Colin Cameron, and just the importance that that he was, and and he went to Wolves um, and did well for. I'd forgotten he partnered Alex Ray in midfield at, at Wolves and played in the Premier League. I know he got relegated with them, but from a Hearts perspective, yeah, really, really good servant for for the football club, and um, yeah, he was missed when he left. The following season, with Cameron back in the side on a regular basis, Hearts found their form again. This is 99-2000. And one of the highlights of that season came at Celtic Park in February 2000. Uh, Didn't start that well, though. Yobi. for Maravchik to turn in that space for so many defenders and the question arises why did the goalkeeper not move a muscle just a little bit too straight and he gets another in by Maravchik Baduka and you know Maravchik could hardly believe that the ball was put back in there and that as I pointed out
So Hearts were 2-0 down in less than half an hour. Looked ominous, but just three minutes later... Jackson picks up, that's a better ball to Colin Cameron. And he scored! Hearts have drawn one back right out of the blue in their first attack. 31 minutes gone. And this is where you see Cameron at his maybe almost being like a, a striker. A brilliant run for the first goal behind the defence. And a cool finish. Made it 2-1. Um, so, half-time. Hearts with a little bit to work with. And ten minutes into the second half, they stunned the hosts. Fair job, misses out in that half. Colin Cameron looking forward. Simpson. Looking the ball played inside. Naismith! Oh, what a great goal! Gary Naismith, who's threatened in the first half to come down the net like that. I doubt very much if he scored a more spectacular goal in his career. And it brings Hart right bang into this game in the most spectacular fashion. All credit to the coolness and the accuracy of that pass. But there was a great deal of work to be done by Gary Naismith. And he did it in the most confident manner. It was Gary Naismith with a cracker to level things. And then with seven minutes to go, after Darren Jackson was fouled in the box, another pressure kick at Celtic Park for the Hearts number 10. Sell with a score 2 all. A team that was two goals down, looking as if they were being played right out of it with a penalty. Yes then, Hearts are in the lead. Colin Cameron's second goal, an astonishing transformation. And no wonder they're on the edge of delirium. Red effort, well read there by Jonathan Gould. But Cameron slots it home. And you would never have guessed it would have got to this situation half an hour into the first half. So up he steps, keeps his cool... Just beat Celtic keeper Jonathan Gould at the same goal where he'd opened the scoring in the cup final 18 months earlier. And he was a player who didn't quite have the same record as Hartley, not quite the um, same conversion, but he could take a penalty, could call him Cameron. He could take a good penalty. And I'm, I'm looking at the team that, that played against Celtic and won 3-2 in that game that you mentioned. And Colin Cameron was the only survivor or only starter uh, in that lineup. Uh, compared to when he made his debut uh, when we spoke about in, in March 96. So you're, you're looking at, well, that was February 2000, so less than four years of a difference. And he was the only player, Niemi in goal, Murray, Naismith, Petrich and Presley, Cameron and Flugel, Jackson and Simpson, Tomashek, who I loved, and Gary Wales, Stefan Adam on the bench, Kirk, Rousset, Makel and Severin. So over a period of of not even four years, we got rid of a lot of the 30, 30-somethings. And yeah. the only player who was 30 in that team, and just, he was 30, was, was Gordon Petridge. So with Cameron there, we were able to kind of build a team around him, certainly yeah. in the middle of the park, Definitely. Uh, over those three and a half years. Cameron finished second top scorer that season with 11 in all competitions, helping Hearts to a third-place finish and qualification to the UEFA Cup. The following campaign, although not as successful for Hearts on the whole, was Mickey's most prolific. He grabbed 16 goals in all competitions. The midfielder would also appear in 47 of Hearts' 49 games, bettered only 
by Ante Niemi. Uh, despite his best efforts, Hearts finished in fifth spot, missing out on Europe on the final day of the campaign. He'd start the next season in fine form again, scoring three goals in Hearts opening four fixtures. On the 18th of August 2001, he scored the opener in a 3-1 home win against Dundee. That would be his final strike for the Jambos. Just under a week later and championship side Wolves parted with the fee that Mark mentioned, £1.75 to acquire the Hearts skipper. Meaning he'd depart Tynecastle before the next game, that was the day after he moved to Wolves on Saturday the 25th against Dunfermline. Now I was at that game. And I remember being absolutely gutted he wasn't there. Presley captain Hearts, we won 1-0, Scott Severin scored a pile driver, but I just remember still really being gutted. I didn't understand the money side of it back then. And Colin Cameron, this is the first, I would say, transfer I can recall being just just so down about. Just, you know, what was I back then? So was it 2001? So it was maybe 14 or 15 didn't really think about the fact that Hearts were making some money from it. Um, just it was just felt like it was just taking the heart out of our team completely at that point. And I know we'd we'd pick up um, in in two thousand and I'm trying to think when we when two thousand and two. So just over a year later, when De Vries and such like arrived, and we had but for the next year, I just thought. The team lacked something, and it, we really missed Cameron. 189 appearances for Hearts, 59 goals. Were you as distraught as I was when he left? That that's a really good homework question. Um, which player, when he got sold, hurt the most for you as a Hearts fan? You've obviously said that, that Colin Cameron um, was your one. Robbo for me when he went to Newcastle um, mm-hmm. was was mine. Um, and I know when he when he left us after the cup final, that was understandable because he was he was someone who was getting on in age, and I would have liked him to have seen out his career at Hearts. Um, but when he left to go to Newcastle um, in eighty seven, uh, eighty eight, I think it was around then. I was what eleven or twelve, and it's interesting around that time. So you, you obviously know what's going on. You said you were what, 14 years old or about that. The, the kind of early teens or just before that, if, if things happen to your team, that, maybe that's when you're, you're at your, yeah, I'm not saying most emotional, but it's, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Cause you, yeah, you your first, you'll have your first girlfriend or down then probably get overly heartbroken, but it really shouldn't mean <laughs> that much. I think it's, it's weird. Cause I was, <clears throat> I was trying to think about it. And I think in the modern day, maybe, a 14 or 15 year old would think more about the finances to go with things. I don't know if it's the internet age, it's just more information out there. I don't think back then I really thought about how much money Hearts made or balancing the books or anything. You know, it was before the internet was there, but you didn't get much on it. It was still mainly checking teletext uh-huh. or CFAX <laughs> to, to get the Hearts news. You know, you remember having to wait for it to cycle to the Hearts bit where you got the Hearts uh-huh. update. That's and then, right. And then there was nothing. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I really thought about it. it I, I don't even think I would have thought then, oh, 1.75 million. I don't think I would have thought, oh, God, we should have held out for two and a half. I just didn't want him to leave, <laughs> you know, whatever the fee was. When That's I... the thing. I think I think the only time we've ever, we've ever probably got more than we should have done for a player was Craig Gordon. Yeah. And, and Vlad played that. He played a blinder to get just over 9 million um, for, for Craig Gordon. Um, so back then, I mean, the, the other thing was, if you didn't have 
uh, a second team, then you didn't have an auction coming in for a player. If, if someone phones and says, we want Cameron, well, he's no for sale. We'll give you 1.5. No, we'll give you 1.75. Okay, done. So you, you don't know how far you can push it. And, and for a club like Hearts at that time, or at any time, to get a bid of of over a million for a player. Mm-hmm. I mean, who, who was the last Hearts player we sold for um, for seven figures? Was it Velichka? And did we get seven figures for him? Uh, possibly. It depends on Osman So and the final fee because they talked about right, being okay. around a million to China, but I don't know if it was ever confirmed. Prior to so that, that, yeah. There haven't, there haven't been many, have there? Not there's, in recent years, seven. no. No, there certainly hasn't been many. I mean, I remember Robbo when he went for 750. I think we bought him back for that as well. Um, Alan McLaren went for, for seven figures to There's a few that you forget as well. I mean, obviously, you remember um, Berra, but then Bednar went for a good fee as well, which sometimes goes under. And Scatchel went for 1.6 after we bought him. Okay, okay. Remember, we, remember we bought Scatchel and sold him. We didn't actually... We had that clause for about 800 grand, I think it was, from... Um, Marseille at the time and um, was it Marseille or was he at her had he been on loan there and it was Panathinaikos but anyway we bought him for like 800 grand and we sold him for double it to Southampton but you don't think he officially played for us after us buying him it was just in the mm. summer but um, we got a good so, fee for Bednar as well but yeah anyway yeah. Some, some of the quirky things to do with Mickey Cameron's move to Wolves from, okay. from what yeah. I've been able to read um Wolves' first ever victory in the Premier League. Remember, yep, football, City. yeah, and Mickey Cameron scored mm-hmm. and a win over Man City. Remember, football didn't exist until 1992 when Sky started to televise the Premier League in England, it if you remember. It, it was the Premiership at that point. As it well. was. It was yeah. the Premiership. So that is one of them. Wolves never lost a match in which Mickey Cameron scored. There's another one. Oh, I saw that, yeah. And my favourite one. This is my favourite one. Now, I'm not saying that, that you're a... Well, I, I don't know what your physical tastes are, if they're eclectic or, or whatever they are, but Beverly Knight performed at Colin Cameron's wedding. I love that. <laughs> Absolutely love that. I might have known you'd come out with something want, like that. Do you want to know more? Yes, Here, go take on. It away, take, it away, take it away, Mickey Cameron. <laughs> How did you persuade her to sing at your wedding. Mickey responded. Well, she was doing a photo shoot for an upcoming tour with a few of the Wolves boys. She was a massive fan of Wolves, so myself and Jolie and Lescott were her favourite players. <laughs> Even there, just stopping there, and it's bizarre. So we started speaking to her, and I mentioned I was getting married in the summer. I asked her, half-jokingly, if she'd come along and sing a few songs. She said she would love to. And she was as good as her word. And there you go. Beverly Knight performed at Colin Cameron's <laughs> wedding to Nicola. That is a story which I'm not going to better today. That is brilliant. <laughs> well, at least I don't have to think about our um, our end music today, our going out tune. Um, do, do you know any Beverly Knight songs? I don't know, but thank, thankfully the internet will always answer and I'll find... Is there a, is there a very appropriate one I should use? Well, so our, our best, kind of our biggest hits... Greatest day, get up, shoulda, woulda, coulda, and come as you are. So you can choose one of those, or you can go into her back catalogue, maybe up to the back of the wreck, to pick a song. I don't know why I went into that. It wasn't even, it wasn't <laughs> even Fluff's voice. Um, but yeah, you, you can have a Beverly Knight song. 
Um, while you're yapping, I will find an appropriate one for... Imagine if she did a cover of Hey Mickey, You're So Fine. That would just be too perfect. That would be. Well, if, if you find that, then well played. Um, Cameron went on to... As he, he had an impressive career at Molyneux. <clears throat> Helped Wolves into the top flight. Did score that goal, uh, their first victory in the Premiership against Man City. Uh, left in 2006, had shorter spells with Coventry City and MK Dons before returning north to join Dundee in 2008. Finished his career with Berwick Rangers in 2015, where he was also manager, and he's now assistant manager to Ian Murray at Airdrie Onions. Uh, never did quite regain the scoring touch he had at Hearts with other clubs. It just seemed to be the perfect fit for him at Tynecastle. And um, Amoruso lets it run on Twitter. Uh, handily got a few responses about Colin Cameron. So I'll just go through what a few people said as well. And there, I'm sure he won't mind. Um, Flitch said, what a player he was. One goal every three games from midfield. We were a damn fine team from 96 to 98. Fantastic watching the wee man do his stuff again. We signed Cameron, McCann, Davy Weir and Jim Hamilton in 96. Oh, for a Colin Cameron now. One of my favourite jambos ever. <clears throat> Tommy1874 says from the moment he walked in the door, he transformed the team, transformed the team along with McCann and Fulton. Brilliant player. Um, Kev says his goal on his comeback game at Tannadice after being out for months with that mysterious pelvic injury was was that was cured by the gum shield. Um, one of his favourite moments of Cameron. Uh, quite simply, one of our best players of the last 50 years. That's Cheesemeister. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, oh, some people have got their hands on the ball from the 98 Cup final, which is good to see. Stevie Morris holding that one up. Um, Andy says, legend. I played against him in the kickback uh, match against the Hearts. Legends on Tynecast- at Tynecastle Park. One of the best days. And Donna says, 24 years ago, uh, with a can't-believe-it face, one of our most underrated players in my top 10 for sure. Scored a few crackers at Easter Road and always puts uh, put in a shift, uh, so you can tell similar um, similar tales from other fans about how much they enjoyed Colin Cameron's time. He was a terrific player, and has Mark been able to find a terrific song to play out on? Do you know what? I know Beverly and I. I think I just think that story is, is fantastic. But you have to play Tony Basil. Hey Mickey, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind. I think that, okay, yeah. that's got that's got to be the song because there isn't really an apt one for Beverly Knight. She was more of a kind of R&B love song singer, and and uh, Hey Mickey, you're so fine because he was he, he was great, and he was asked about where his affinities lie. Is he a Hearts fan or a Wolves fan or whatever? He said, No, I'm I'm a Wraith Rovers fan, not a Hearts fan. I've got a great affiliation with Hearts because of my history there. The same with with Wolves as well, but I'm a Wraith Rovers fan. Now, when he did this interview, he said, my dad still stays in the same house when I signed for Wraith at the bottom of the road, three minutes walk from from the ground. Sadly, Mickey lost his dad um, pretty recently. So uh, I know he was he was close with him um, and his dad was a big Wraith Rovers fan. So, so Wraith is, is his team and he even went back to playing Fife with Lacour Welfare. Um but Hearts has always got a, a kind of special place in his heart. And for Hearts fans, we've always got fond memories of Mickey Cameron. Indeed. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's a good one to play out on. Uh, so thank you for tuning in. It's been good to, to look back at a Hearts player who had such a memorable career with the Jambos, scored some fine goals uh, and was such a pivotal player in a great Hearts team in 1998. Um 
anything we want to throw out there to listeners before we go, Mark, in terms of some homework? Okay, this week's homework, based on something you said earlier, which player sale by heart broke your heart? Nice and simple this week. Robbo to Newcastle for me, Cameron to Wolves for you. Would it be, could we include just players leaving if they at the end of a yeah, contract yeah, as well? So just player of, of departure. Which, which departure? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's been a few. I remember being gutted when we didn't take up the option to buy Ricardo Fuller as well. That, that was not too long after the Cameron. Was it the Motherwell game that he didn't even know what he was doing there? Yeah, <laughs> beat oh, everyone. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm pleased that the the stand, the Gorgie Road stand, was up because if it wasn't, and they were still had the terracing behind the goal. He'd be, I don't know where he'd be now, he'd be in Balerno or he'd be somewhere. Because he would have just kept running. <laughs> but he had an end product. I remember at the other end, Ivan Sproul one day went on a run, but he kept his head down and he, he ran the ball out. But, but Ricardo Fuller, just just brilliant. So, yeah, and, and another player when, when he kind of left hearts that I was gutted about was John Colquhoun. Again, we're in that kind of similar age range of, of players that you've got become close. I used to try and get the autographs every single week, and Colhoun with the, the, the Colhoun had a great autograph. Maybe that's for another week. Your favourite autograph or whatever. But <laughs> Colhoun, it was massive. It took him and Wallace Mercer, right? If if you had your little autograph book open, and Colhoun did one page and Mercer did the other, there's no room for anybody else there. Robbo was another big nineteen. 80s slash 90s autograph. Yeah, big, good stuff. <laughs> well, we'll talk about autographs maybe another time. Um, but yeah, let us know which uh, player departures uh, hurt you the most. Which ones did you really feel when they when they left hearts? Uh, at Around the Funnel on Twitter. Or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Until then, uh, thank you for tuning in. <laughs>